Welcome to the Booktopia Podcast. I'm Sarah McDooling. I'm so happy to be sitting here today talking to the amazing Claire Zorn about her brand new book, When We Are Invisible. Hello. Claire, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I was saying before the podcast that last time you were here, you mentioned that you were writing this book and I was very excited because I had previously read The Sky So Heavy. Yes. And the idea of that story continuing was uh, extremely exciting. Then we had like a pandemic and oh, yeah, a few other that, things and now, yeah. you're, and now you're here yeah. and the book is out. Here I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for, for the people listening, could you just tell them a little bit about When We Are Invisible? Okay. So it is the sequel to The Sky So Heavy. Um, so it's difficult for me to talk about it without talking a little bit about The Sky So Heavy, but basically uh, that tells the story of a group of teenagers uh in the aftermath of a massive nuclear disaster uh, in Sydney. Um, And they're just trying to survive, basically. Um, And When We Are Invisible follows on from that. I don't really know how much to give away about the... It's so tricky because... Maybe we I should don't say. know how much to give away about the end of The Sky So Heavy, but it's really hard to... Because it picks up pretty much yeah, moments after, moments after the, the sky ended. ended. Yeah. There's not much of a time gap or no, anything. No, there's not. Um, so I, I guess, look, if you're listening to this and you're sensitive to spoilers, yeah. you're a mild, mild spo- spoiler warning for yes. the sky so heavy. mild spoiler Just because during the course of this conversation, you know, yes. details of the first book might slip by, but yes. we'll try and keep it largely spoiler free. We'll try to be as vague as possible. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think, I mean, to me, one of the most interesting questions that I've been wanting to ask you was, you know, I read The Sky So Heavy around about the time that it came out yeah, and never got the sense that it was part of a series. Like I was like, that feels like a yeah. complete story. Yes. Um, and then... And now it's uh, eight, eight years? Yeah. No, I'm not very good with maths. Yeah. I'd Some say amount be, of years. <laughs> yeah. 2013 that came out and we are now 2021. 21. So, yeah. yes. Well done us for making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So We got there. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so it's eight years later now, but presumably when you started writing this book, it was, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um. Where, did you always know this story was waiting in the wings or did it – did you know – did you think it was finished when you finished The Sky Yeah, Street? I did. Okay. Um, I was – I think when I very first started writing The Sky So Heavy, I wanted to do three books <laughs> and then I wrote one. Oh, man, that – I'm not – I don't want to do any more of that. That's – yeah. It is finished. <laughs> yeah, we are done here. Um, so I did try and kind of – I always thought of it as a self-contained one book Mm. thing. Um, But I also had a sense of what happened after um, the book finished to my characters. Um, But I've been pressured for a really long time um, by readers. Wanting to know. Yes, they won't leave me alone about it. So, and then it was just in my head and it was just bubbling away and I didn't f- really feel like I had anything else to add. Um, so funny to hear you say that because there's a lot that was added. There's a lot yeah. that was added, yeah. So I, I didn't feel like I had much left to say and then um, 
some things happened in the world and I was like hmm yeah turns out you're wrong you turns out play. I've got a few more things <laughs> I'd like to write down yeah yeah I love I love that about this book it's um you know you, you finish the sky so heavy it ends on this this hopeful note yeah. um and then this book picks it right up and and what was previously like this hopeful possibilities mm. that they're heading towards to you you show people well this is what mm. this is what they landed in yeah and it's pretty intense it's pretty intense and the the thing I love about this as a kind of as it stands as a duology I guess is that you have these two books that are actually they're on the same topic and it's the same characters yeah but they are very different they're in really sort of different. scope and like I guess they're the same in tone, but it's kind of like different sides of a coin or something. Like yeah. you've switched character perspectives. Yeah, you've um, you've taken things down from like a a city and a world into mm. like this small commune where yeah. there's like a small amount of people and it's very stifling. Yeah. So yeah, there's just um, a really different feel to this book, and yet at the same time, it's a natural continuation of this story. So. I don't know. I guess my question is: Is that hard to sort of revisit those characters and switch it up like that? Uh, it was yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. Um, because I decided um, that I wanted to write from Lucy's perspective, but when I started to go back into that headspace of the sky so heavy, it was like I just slipped back into Finn's voice. So yeah. it just sounded like Finn. And I couldn't even – it took so long to get out of his head and to work out who this person was, who Lucy was, because, you know, she's kind of like a um, secondary character in The Sky So mm. Heavy. She's not the main um, one. So I did have to get to know her a little bit better. Um, and then when that started to happen, then different parts of the story kind of started to show themselves um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I did reread The Sky So Heavy in preparation. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. It, it's, a, it's such a wild experience, you know. Like I had remembered the – it had been a while and I yeah. had a terrible memory, but I'd remembered the bare bones of the story yeah, yeah. and the characters and stuff. But when you read a book that you've read, right, you – you have this echo of your emotions the first time you read it. Yes. And it's it, this one was particularly strange because I was rereading this book and I could remember the experience of reading it the first time. But I was rereading this book about food shortages and going to the supermarket and yeah. there's nothing there and it was just read very – and it hit very differently yeah. in 2021 than it did in 2013 or 14 or when, yeah. I, when I initially read it. Um, so So that was wild. And it was also then really interesting to go from being in Finn's head, and he does have such a like a. It's nice being in Finn's head. Yeah. He's such a nice boy. Like yeah. he's, he's a very real, gentle soul. Yeah. yeah. And like, and I don't. I don't mean to say that as though Lucy is not nice. It's just a. It's just strange to then see Finn. Yeah. From, from outside. Yeah. You've been in his yeah. head, and now you're seeing yeah. him through the point of view of someone who who loves him. Yeah. Um. But he's perhaps maybe asking for something from him in this book that it takes him a little while to, to get there. Yeah, and yeah. so that was an interesting experience for me as a reader because you know this character so well. You've been in his head for an entire book. You yeah. know that he – you know his qualities. You know that you you hope he's going to come through. Yeah. But um, 
but being in, on Lucy's side of it, which brings me, I guess, to some of the themes in this book. Yes. So we can talk about yeah. the fact that you're in, you've brought Max and Finn and Lucy to the commune, which was there like happily ever after. Yes. Spoiler, that's the spoiler, yeah. I guess. Sorry, <laughs> mild, mild spoiler there. Um, and now they're there and they're safe, sort of, yeah. and they've got the, a breather yeah. and suddenly they don't have to be worried about food or people chasing them or not having their papers or anything like that but it doesn't take Lucy very long for her instincts to tell her that something's not right in this commune and then it's a matter of um, her working through what's wrong and Mm. I guess uh, again not trying to give away too many details I guess the thing is is that what you're talking about here is control and power yeah. and controlling people through fear yes and um gaslighting people yes gaslighting is a big one and abusing people emotionally and physically mm. i guess and in particular women yeah so these themes that you go into in this book um and you do it so well and so powerfully whilst writing for children that's a tightrope <laughs> right a really, yeah it really is <laughs> yeah and bravo because i feel like uh, just as you did in The Sky So Heavy. And the reason why this book I, has so much love out there, I think is in large part because of if you're a teacher mm. um, and you're looking for a book to discuss issues of climate change and, um, you know, like... <laughs> there's so much to unpack. There's yes. a lot in there, yeah. It's, yeah, there's so much to unpack in that book, but it's entirely like... It's not like handing them an adult book, you know. It's a book yeah. for children. It's written. You're great at getting in the mindset of kids, um, and I guess for the same way that a book like Tomorrow When the War Began has endured, um, yeah. you know, it's been really embraced by schools. Yeah, and so then generations of students read it. Yeah, and now they're getting the second chapter yeah. of this story. Yeah, um, but I veered away from. I veered away a little bit from. We were, I was asking about the themes of the book yes, and whether right. you want to yes, expound yes. on yes, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I remember now. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so um, talking about themes, um, just give me a sec. Well, while you're thinking, I'll yes. tell you a moment from the book that I think is going to stay with me for a long time. Oh, please do. And as I've been talking to, about your book to people, this is the thing. I, I'm like, look, if you don't mind hearing about one scene in the book, yeah. it's a small moment. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to give anything away. No. And um, But this is going to stick with me. And it's a moment when Lucy is called upon to do something that requires, like, you know, some brute physical strength uh, and some toughness. Yeah. Um, and, you, and she's just in her head, she has this thought that's like she's jealous of Finn because whilst she knows there's a lot of pressure on men and boys to be tough and mm. be strong and live up to those that gender stereotype, mm. um, if they fail, the only thing they're really risking is their own pride because yeah. they will look weak and yeah. they have to wear that. Whereas for Lucy, who is trying to prove that she is capable and strong, Mm. just like a a young boy would, Mm. except in her case and for the case of any woman who tries to prove this, Mm. you feel like there's more than your own pride at risk. You're sort of carrying 
all women with you and trying to prove that all women can do this. And if you fail, it's kind of like you're saying women can't. Yes. And the pressure of that is like a thousand times magnified. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I feel it every time I try and do a reverse part. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I do though. (laughs) I can do this for womankind. I can do this. (laughs) But it really struck a note with me because I'm like, it's, it's a thing... Every so often someone perfectly expresses a thing that you felt a, a yeah. bunch of times but no one's ever succinctly said yeah. it. And I was like, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. Because when you're in any sort of environment professionally, in sports, in anything, yeah. when you're um, – we're all told that girls can do anything that mm. boys can do but you don't always feel that that is true. No. And when you're trying to prove it to yourself and to the world – it's more than – it's not just about you. And no. it is kind of nice to think about what it would be like if it is just about – like if, yeah. if that's what it feels to be a young boy trying to prove their own strength and it gets to be all about – All about them. Them. Yeah, like <laughs> I can do this yeah. and look, I did it and I'm one of the boys. Yeah. Instead of I can do this and so can women yeah. everywhere and yeah. I believe that – You're not you like know. the representative of half the population of yeah. the world. Yeah. Yeah. That really – that is going to stick with me um, and I think that really speaks to uh, Lucy's character. Yeah. 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 She's under a lot of pressure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but she's got Grace under fire. Yeah. Um, there's also another moment later in the book where she uh, has opportunity to read what someone has thought about her character. Yeah. And yeah. That, was a, that was an amazing moment. Here yeah. she has struggled through an entire book filled with self-doubt. Yeah forced to no one believes her like, no why would you why people yeah. don't believe what teenage girls say that story those nobody will listen to me and yeah. nobody will believe me stories are always so um oh it's like agonizing to read because yeah. I think everyone's experienced yeah. that on some level yeah she's gone through a whole book of this with lives in the balance mm. um it's not just like no one will believe me that something's happening but no one will believe me and where and there's serious danger yeah. um, to contend with. And then she has this moment where she reads like a dossier that's been written about yeah. her. And I don't know, like that was powerful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of those things that right at the end of the whole process of, you know, six drafts or whatever it was, mm. I decided to kind of put that in right at the end. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad yeah. you did. It's a it's a it's a moment to sit in because you, you know, this uh, opinion of her has been like a group effort, like, but you know that particular people involved mm. are, it just adds another layer of complication to a mm. very complicated character. Yeah. Um, was it, speaking of this character who I guess it's okay to name yeah. is Jackson? Yeah. What was it like to write a character like Jackson? Um, or if there's something, if you were yeah. to explain the character of Jackson to yeah. potential readers, what would you say? Ah, uh, there's so many words. <laughs> <laughs> None of them are coming to mind. Um, <laughs> no, he's probably one of the most complex. I think originally he came uh, from me trying to understand. It's really hard to talk about him without not going way back to like the very first seeds of the story, which is when a man called Donald Trump was elected 
in America. That was the inspiration, the first spark of yeah, inspiration. Yeah, that was when I was like, I think right. I need to write some more. <gasps> that makes so much sense. Yeah, because it was like, well, this guy is a total misogynist and he's celebrated for that. Mm-hmm. Like people still, they there was stuff on tape that he had said about women. And people either overlooked it yeah. or explained it away. And I think a lot of the reasoning for it was, oh, there's a job that has to be done and yeah. and this is the man for the job, yeah. which is very much yeah. what the sentiment is towards Jackson. Here is a person yeah. who, if you individually and in a safe environment where they could not be overheard, mm. asked people, what do you think of this mm. guy? They probably wouldn't have that much good to say, but no. he is the person they've given their trust to to yes. get them through this situation. Yes. Yeah. So I started to think about why someone like that would end up with so much power and what would make people um, hand over so much trust and power to someone like that. Um, And I was also thinking about um, notions of kind of charisma and charm and what makes you initially like someone and what is it about them that starts to feel off after Mm. a little while. And I'm just so tired of... I don't know how, like, I'm so tired of the 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 statistics. Yeah, thank you. Um, About women being killed by partners or former partners. I'm just like, this isn't okay. It's really (laughs) overwhelming. We move on. We like stuff happens in the news, and then it's it's shocking, but we move on, and it happens over and over again. And women are still entering into these relationships and it's because they don't if it was obvious what this man was like people you wouldn't hand your trust over no and it's also and you address this in the book really well there's a there's a character from lucy's past yeah and a character in the present who are both in relationships yeah with an abusive partner yeah and i think so much of this, I mean, you could spend a lifetime unpacking the reasons why yeah. this happens and don't want to breeze over it. But I think one element mm. um, of it is that the shame or, or feeling stupid um, about yeah. having, you don't want to admit there is a problem because then you have given your trust and love to yes. a problematic person and people struggle to admit that out of not wanting to seem weak or stupid yeah and this is brought up in the book that there's no there's absolutely no shame in buying into a version of someone that they're trying to make you buy into yes like a person is actively trying to present a version of themselves that that you will want to have in your life if you fall for that you're just just, an average person yeah (laughs) yeah yeah the fault is with the you with know, the perpetrator, not with a hundred percent. Yeah, um, and I think that's. I mean, that's really well. There's so much in this book. There's a lot. Yeah, and that was a really big part of it. I think when I was writing that kind of stuff, I just. I think it's extraordinary to me when authors like yourself are able to broach all of these subjects in a book that is for kids. Um, because, uh, like it just must be very delicate work. It is. 
Um, but they're also super smart. Like yes, and that's <laughs> that's the delicateness of it. Yeah. You can't talk down. You can't no. spoon feed. No. But you also can't you be wanna, too. Yeah. You can't cross a line that would make it adult fiction. Yeah. Um, you still want so, it to be accessible, and you still want them to have some sort of sense of hope. Yeah. At the end of it all. Yeah, and that's you know that's a lot. That's a lot to manage. It's a yeah. balancing act. And, and this is the first book that I've written knowing while I'm writing it that my eldest son is going to read it as soon as it's finished being written. So what did he think of it? I loved it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's not It's not amazing. It's, it must be wonderful. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. No, it really was amazing. <laughs> like he wouldn't stop reading it. So we're trying to have dinner and he's trying mm. to read. And so the mum part of me is like, can you please put the book away? We're trying to eat dinner. But the writer part of me is like, this is amazing. You've done it. Yeah. How, <laughs> Job how old done. can I ask? Uh, he's almost 13. Okay, right. So that yeah. is high, high praise, right? Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah. Mm. One more page, one more page. Please, just one more page. That's exactly, like, that is exactly what you want. That's And gold. what did he think of the ending? Like, what was... He was a bit blindsided because he'd snuck into my office, my, like, workspace, um and read some notes that I'd written about the ending. But the comp, that's a huge, another huge compliment. He was so into it that he went spying. <laughs> yeah. Like. So sneaky. Christmas presents <laughs> yeah, are usually the thing that kids go looking for. Like, wow. Okay, cool. So that cool. was pretty great. Uh, so but things changed. Ending. Yeah. So he was a bit shocked. Now I want to ask you about the different ending. You can. We can talk about it later. Okay, cool. Hmm. All right. Sorry, everyone. Sorry That's too that. spoilery for this discussion. <laughs> But I think when I was writing it, because I was writing it knowing that he, like, writing it with kind of a parent brain as well, Mm. I don't want to frighten him. I don't want him to read it and just go, oh, the world is so terrible and so terrifying. Like, that's not... I think that's what I... That's not what I want to do at all. I want him to read it and uh, perhaps be more aware of stuff, but also have some sort of sense of his own power like you know that's the beautiful thing about writing for teenagers and young adults because mm. we're all going look it's really hard to admit but we're all going to die and <laughs> yeah and they are going to inherit what we have made for them so it's like oh there's a big sense of responsibility to equip yeah with the skills they need that I think is what I'm getting at where I'm sort of a bit in awe of people who can do this because it is one thing to explore these issues when you're writing for adults yeah. and it's no holds barred yeah. and you can just be as dark and as grim as you want it. and as graphic. Yeah. And yeah. As, so yeah. because these topics are not light, right? No. But imparting the seriousness of it to children yeah. without being condescending Yeah is it's something that I don't understand how anyone does it. So when people do it, I'm just a little bit in awe of it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how I did it either. (laughs) Well, but you did. And (laughs) so, and I'm I'm so excited that at the time of recording this podcast, are we just before pub date or did we just after Uh, pub date? It's just gone. It's Tuesday last week. Right. Okay. So have you heard um, much feedback from readers yet? Is it a bit early? It's a little early. Yeah. Yeah. I've had um, like feedback from people that I've given 
um, given it to mm. to read. And um, also some amazing feedback from your sound. Um, I very much loved it. <laughs> it's great. Thank you. I, I, it really, it does mean a lot. Cause it, like mm. publishing a book is it's terrifying. It's not like a walk in the park. It's yeah. um, really scary. So I, I think, you know, early feedback has been good. Yeah. Yeah. I really think all of the people who have been hounding you the past eight years for it, a continuation yeah. are going to love this. And I, and I know perhaps you don't know the answer to this. I don't know how long it took you to like it was years in the making to revisit them to decide to revisit this. So maybe it's a maybe, maybe not. But the book finishes and it's complete. Yeah. And again, you know, if you never return to this, it is it does feel finished. Yeah. But there is a some somewhat of an epilogue with a bit of a POV switch that could suggest <laughs> a possible direction. <laughs> no, for there's a, no more. <laughs> no, no more. Okay. No. <laughs> I just wondered. <laughs> but if I had asked you that question in 2014, you might have said there's no more. Yeah, I probably yeah. would have. <laughs> yeah. I feel all of the best stories um, should feel finished but with enough um, room to yeah. imagine the continuing lives of the characters. Of, yeah. 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 And yeah. so that's definitely what we have here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of writing post-apocalyptic fiction <laughs> – are you yourself a reader of No. <laughs> Interesting. Because no. I was going to ask you what your That's favourite ones were. terrifying. No, I don't. <laughs> no. I don't do want to know. It's awful. Do you avoid it in movies and TV as well? Yeah. Okay. I, like visually I find it really interesting. So yeah. when I first started writing um, The Sky's So Heavy, um, it came about from a lot of places but I saw – picture I think a movie still from a movie with um oh Will his name's Will action action hero Will Smith there we go yes okay I don't want to see the movie but I saw the the poster of this overgrown New York and just this one person and I'm quite fascinated by like um abandoned spaces so I love mm. pictures of abandoned shopping malls, all that kind of stuff. There's something hypnotic about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I find imagery really um, interesting, but I have no desire to read books about it. I've only read one. So I read one when I was in year eight called Children of the Dust, and oh. I'm pretty sure that's where this obsessive thing about nuclear winter started. Wow. Because that's also a nuclear kind of I am set in the Cold War. Yeah, Children of the Dust. Okay. Yeah, check it out. It's terrifying. I am a big consumer of of post-apocalyptic. Really? Stuff. So I, when I say that I really like yours, know that that's that's amazing. Uh, that is because I go out and read a lot of it, Thank and I don't you. I don't know why. I think actually I blame Isabel Carmody, um, or yeah. I thank her. I should say. Yeah. <laughs> because. I read her um, Scatterlings and Over Newton books when I yeah. was forming my id in my young yeah. years and it really got me interested in speculative fiction about where, what will happen yeah. Yeah. in the event of yeah. a disaster. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I think some, I think you can, people on this topic fall into two camps Mm. after 2020 which is like I don't want any more I need distance or give me all of it because and I don't know where I sit I I kind of feel like I sit in a it took a it took a Claire Zorn book to to make me go okay yeah I'm definitely gonna read this one but I had been a little bit wary because yeah it's you kind of don't want to be 
reading about it when you've been going through something. You need to escape. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think. But we know that people um, like the consumption of um, movies, like pandemic and contagion and all that kind of thing went through the roof apparently. It really did because. That's so fascinating. And that's the thing I remembered when I was reading your book and the thing that you know, I I'm a I tend to get sparked off on little mini crazes in reading. Yeah, so like I yeah. read something and I'm like, that was just what I needed. I will now seek out okay. five or ten other books yeah. like this until <laughs> yeah. I've I've played this out and yeah. I go on to something else. Yeah. And so you've put me on a bit of a post apocalyptic need ah. because I read the book and I was like, that was just what I needed. And also it reminded me that the reason we write these books usually, unless it's like some Cormac McCarthy like oh wow yeah unless it's a, a, a something quite grim and hopeless <laughs> that's why I haven't usually, read that book <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no jokes yeah <laughs> like, this isn't gonna end well yeah like no shade amazing book but also <laughs> not what I want to read right now no. <laughs> um I I just I feel like they a post-apocalyptic novel with a hopeful ending yeah. is really cathartic yeah at this and point. I wonder if it's like a sense of um camaraderie like I wonder if mm. it's I, I always find this stuff interesting. Like my my brother used to be a firefighter wow. and he read so many stories and watched so much stuff about firefighters. And mm. I, I'm just like like what it what like, didn't you want to get away from it? Exactly. But no. But no. So I, I'm mm. fascinated by this yeah, this kind of aspect of our psyche that wants to delve into something that's yeah. scary. It's a, I think it's a lot about what type of reader you are as well. I yeah, think totally. We are drawn to stories really to work through emotions and yeah. get some catharsis. Yeah. And so if, if something is playing on your mind a lot, that's the yeah. sort of story that you might be drawn yeah. to. So, you know, for, by that reasoning, uh, post-apocalyptic novels should have a <laughs> huge boom. Real spike. <laughs> yep, yep. You're lucky you started yours before. Yeah, I know, hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a real glut. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we're, we're sort of running a bit short on time, okay. but we we did say before this podcast that we would talk about horses, so oh, I feel like I need yes. to bring them up. Uh, I finally managed to get some in in yeah. one of my books. <laughs> I've been waiting for an opportunity for a really long time. So you are yourself a horse owner, and yeah, a horse lover? obsessive, yeah. absolute obsessive, and yeah. you know. Best form of transport in oh, a nuclear winter. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I think maybe that's another reason why I started writing about a nuclear winter as well. Like, yeah. So it's like, no cars. What are we going to use? Horses. And so <laughs> Lucy's knowledge of horses yeah. is all, that's that's your, coming from, you, you didn't have to research much of that. Nah. Coming straight <laughs> from you. Yeah. For once, I didn't have to do any research. <laughs> all the books I've had to, like. I don't know much about big wave surfing, but I had to really get into that for one more thing, <laughs> the date. And, but this one, I was like, I actually know what I'm talking about. It's really wow. nice. Less um, time consuming. It made me think, you know, if we, you're really going to prepare for uh, the end of days, you should probably. We'll need to get riding lessons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there's, you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't try and just sneak them in there for having a horse in there, although no, that was very motivating. But like, I also find it, um, I find horses really fascinating as as far as like talking about trust goes because they're mm. very sensitive, emotional creatures and they tune in really well to humans. 
Um, and so there's a great kind of reciprocal trust thing that goes on because we're yeah. predators. Like they look at us and they know from where our eyes are on our faces that we're predators. Wow. And yet they trust us so often. It's um, amazing when you put it like that. And they're also like half a ton. Like mine is cranky. I've got a cranky horse. <laughs> and if, <laughs> he's wonderful, but he's very moody. Um, and if he wanted to, he could just like trample me. He's massive. <laughs> but I know that he won't. He because loves you have me. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess when you're writing characters of how animals respond to a person and how a person treats animals is a great yeah. indicator of yeah. what kind of person that's, you are. I find, yeah. yeah, that's gold. I yeah. think it's a it's a good way to be a little bit, um, to, to give away stuff about um, characters. That, yeah, some light yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah, and there's <laughs> there's dogs in this as well. Yeah. So that's yeah. always good. It's always good to have a dog around. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good book. Just Thank talking you. about it has made me um, really like it's an emotional read. It's a, uh, which is interesting when it's something is quite um, action driven as well. Like yeah, the first book I guess had its quiet moments because for the yeah. for a lot of the beginning of the book there. Just waiting. And, yeah, they're just trying to find food and, yeah. you know, venturing out sporadically. Yeah. And then they travel a lot and yeah. then it's very action-driven yeah. um, for the second half of the novel. This one is, like, similar in a way because mm. they, they get to the commune and they're settling and they're meeting people and they're yeah. getting the lay of the land. But there's also, you know, a lot of action, venturing outside and hunting. Yeah. And like, so with all of that going on, it is actually – a we're very – still very much inside Lucy's head it's very emotionally driven yeah um and you know when you live in a book really emotionally uh and it is over yeah (laughs) sometimes like these I'm really glad for my job because then I get to talk to the author you're very lucky yeah it's it's, (laughs) it's very cool it's very cool well I I love the book a lot um I've already asked you if there's a possibility of a third. You have said no. <laughs> no. So in eight years, we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll be back here in eight this. years. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the decision will change. But if, if it's not, if that's not on the immediate horizon, are you able to tell us what is sort of coming up for you next or is it too too soon to say? Um, no, it's not. It just might be a little bit of a wait till it's out. Like it's, You're going to start winning appetites unless you're not allowed to talk about no, it. No, I'm allowed to talk okay. about it. Like, I, you know, I'm the... <laughs> I'm the gatekeeper here (laughs) Um, for this one. No, it's, it's very different. Like it's nothing like I've ever written before. Um, It's, it's about a um, contemporary conceptual visual artist. Oh. But it's also quite satire kind of in flavor, satirical in flavor. This sounds very interesting. Yeah. Is this a, Adult fiction? Yeah. Wow, you're crossing over into adult. Yeah, but the interesting thing about it is I I think it's actually more of my natural writing voice. Okay. Um, Okay. This this character, this tone of this book feels more natural to me than that. That is very exciting to me, but that's a ways off. Yeah, well, I don't, I, you know, I haven't finished the first draft, so. Okay, so a ways (laughs) off. But I've been waiting to write, like I've been working on it on and off for five years okay and okay. now I'm finally devoting all my time to it so that is very exciting yeah you? I'm wow. I'm excited by it like I enjoy sitting down to work on it so that's good so this is I I think 
what my awe of your skill to be able to write these books for children. Um, I think the evidenced by your ability to just illustrate and write a picture book <laughs> and then write for young adults and now writing for yeah. adults. I think when authors have that kind of versatility, if you pick up any one of their books, you can kind of feel it, yeah. you know? Like I think you can feel when a when someone is a storyteller for all yeah. ages. Like, yeah, thank so you. So I'm excited to, yeah. to read your um, adult picture. Well, it's all just amazing. It's all just a game of pretend. Like you're just <laughs> pretending. Like th- this is what writers, this is what we're doing. You sit down and imagine imaginary people and pretend. Yeah, but it's an art form. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're really good at pretending. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, that sk- skill could have manifested in many ways. Yeah. You could have been a con artist. <laughs> I know. <You> <laughs> I'm glad it manifested this way. <laughs> this is we, more awesome. we get all your novels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But interestingly enough, that's kind of what the next book's about, like pretending. Mm. Do you have a con artist in your book? I'm like obsessed with I'm con not going to make any comments. Okay, that's too a early. no comment situation. Too early, too early. Too right early. there. But yeah. All right. I'll wrap up the podcast because I want to pick your brains about this alternate ending that you said Excellent. that you <laughs> And also because we're out of time. Um, <laughs> So everyone listening, um, you can grab a copy of When We Are Invisible as well as all of Claire Zorn's amazing backlist titles at your local bookstore or online at Booktopia. Claire, thanks so much for coming and visiting us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au